Welcome to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast, featuring Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. This talk was given February 2014 and held here at the Stephen P.J. Wood Building in Arlington, Virginia. Senator Cruz spoke about the importance of the grassroots and their recent success in fighting back against bad legislation. So get some locks on your bagel and take a sip of your OJ. You're listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. You know, Sam Houston famously said, Texas has yet to learn submission to any form of oppression, come from what source it may. That was Sam Houston, so I'm not surprised that your household can claim direct lineal descent, (laughs) because that is an attitude L.I. has embraced for a long, long time. Uh, Let me say to everyone here, Congratulations. Thank you for coming out in the cold, in the rain. I mean, it's, it's pretty nasty out there. I mean, it is cold out there. It, it's so cold, I actually saw a Democrat with his hands in his own pockets. <laughs> and that doesn't happen often in this town. So I appreciate y'all's braving the elements to be here. What, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak very briefly because I want to just... Each of you are on the ground. You are fighting the good fight. I want this to be a conversation and have the bulk of it be Q&A. But let let me start by making an observation that may prompt further conversation and questions, which is that all of us know right now the challenges facing this country are extraordinary. Liberty is under assault. Rule of law is under assault. Economic growth and opportunity are under assault. These are extraordinary times. And yet... More than anything, what I want to do is encourage you. There is a transformation occurring, a new paradigm in politics that we've seen in the last couple of years. And that is the rise of the grassroots. It's something none of the press will talk about. It's something that official Washington is terrified out of their mind about. And it's something that the men and women in this room bear a big part of the responsibility for happening. It is incredible and it is potent. You know, if you look to the Senate race back in Texas in 2012, some of y'all may remember when we started there, that race was, by all conventional wisdom, impossible. When we started January of 2011, I was at 2% in the polls. The margin of error was 3%. (laughs) Those are real poll numbers. I'm not making them up. I I came home. I was really excited. I told my wife, Heidi, I said, yes, we're at 2%. And she said, but technically, couldn't you be at negative (laughs) 1%? It's like, thank you, sweetheart. That's really 
wonderful encouragement to start the day. <coughs> um, we ended up going through a $50 million primary. $50 million. We were outspent over three to one, had $35 million in nasty attack ads saturating the TV. Midway through, Heidi turned to me watching all the ads. She said, goodness gracious, I didn't realize you were such a rotten guy. <laughs> and what we saw in Texas was incredible. We saw first a few dozen, and then hundreds, and then thousands, and then tens of thousands of men and women across the state begin standing up, begin knocking on doors, begin getting on the phone, begin sending emails, begin getting on Facebook, getting on Twitter, talking to everyone they know, saying, we can't keep doing what we're doing. Our country is hanging in the balance. And together, we can do something different. And as a result of an incredible grassroots tsunami, we went from 2% in the polls to not just winning, but winning the primary by 14 points and then winning the general by 16 points. All of official Washington, all of official, the political pros said that's impossible. And let's look last year. I arrived in the Senate January of last year tried to follow the adage of freshmen being seen and not heard. We had an interesting year last year. You know, I think of the first big fight that I was privileged to be a part of, which was early last year standing side by side with my friend, Senator Rand Paul, and his epic filibuster on drones. And what was interesting is when Rand started, it was early in the afternoon, he went to the Senate floor, began talking about drones. Most of our colleagues had no idea what he was talking about. Remember, we were at lunch when it started, and they were just, what, what is Rand doing? I mean, they were scratching their head. They were very puzzled by the whole thing. Mike Lee and I were the first two to go to the floor to support Rand. And what happened as the day went on is people all over the country began engaging and speaking up, began getting on Twitter. Twitter blew up. And it was interesting that night. Later that night, you started seeing one senator after another, many of whom had gone home, may have been in bed, roused from bed, and sort of coming to the floor a little bit discombobulated, walking out, going, I, my, my staff said the Tweety thing is happening. <laughs> and as a result of millions of lovers of liberty across this country, the next day... President Obama was forced to do what he had refused to do for three consecutive weeks, which is admit in writing the U.S. Constitution restricts the ability of the federal government to target U.S. citizens. Yeah, that's worth... <laughs> that was astonishing. That was an issue that had no support in official Washington. That was an issue that 50 years ago would have gone nowhere. And yet the people rose up and turned things around in 24 hours. We saw it a couple months later on guns. 
We all remember the horrific shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. And all of Washington was convinced once that shooting happened that the president's agenda to restrict the Second Amendment was unstoppable. All of the graybeards, I'll tell you, the Senate lunches, we'd sit there and the Republican graybeards would stroke their beard and, well, <laughs> nothing can be done about this. And it was, they were consigned. This, this will go through. Let's just hap let's get it over with. Let's capitulate fast. And again, what happened was incredible. Across the country, we began to see individual citizens speaking out. We began to see one after the other after the other millions of individual citizens saying, listen, violent criminals, come down on them like a ton of bricks. But protect our constitutional right to keep and bear arms. And as a result of that breathtaking uprising from the grassroots, when it came time for President Obama's gun control proposals to be voted on, on, on the Senate floor, every single proposal that would have undermined the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms was voted down on the Senate floor. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. I got to tell you, by the way, that night it was very interesting. The look of utter shock and dismay among Democrats who had been proudly boasting that this was unstoppable, and they were just, they didn't know what had happened. It was as if a meteor had hit them. Wait, 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 we had won this. <coughs> it was pre-cooked. And then the American people rose up and changed that. And I think the most epic demonstration of the power of the grassroots last year was the fight over defunding Obamacare. Now, if you listen to Democrats, if you read the media, although I repeat myself, They will all tell you, oh, the fight to defund Obamacare was a terrible failure. You crazy, foolish, foolish people, why can't you just accept that the Leviathan will always, always, always grow? Really? Look, I'm a big believer the proof is in the pudding. Let's look at where we are right now today. Right now today. President Obama is at his lowest approval rating he's ever been since the day he was elected in office. 
Right now, today, Obamacare is at its lowest approval rating it's ever been since the day it passed into law. Right now, Obamacare has plummeted in popularity among young people who are suddenly discovering that it's young people that are the goose being cooked to pay for this thing. Right now, Obamacare has plummeted in popularity among Hispanics. Right now, Obamacare has plummeted in popularity among independents. And astonishingly, right now, Obamacare has plummeted in popularity among Democrats. <laughs> you know, if you want to know where the country is, I think a very good barometer is often the late night comedians. Last fall, Jay Leno said, so, uh, President Obama called me. He said, Jay, if you like your job, you can keep it. <laughs> A couple weeks later, Leno went back to the same theme. He said, so uh, holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving. You know, the first Thanksgiving, the pilgrims said to the Indians, if you like your land, you can keep it. You know, the American people have a funny way of understanding when someone has looked in their eyes and said something repeatedly, deliberately false. And over 5 million Americans have already lost their health insurance because of Obamacare. Do you know that I cannot go home without hearing stories just like that? I'm sorry for your sisters. I will tell you Last time I was in Odessa, a man described to me how his aunt had just had her health care canceled. She's 101 years old, and her health care was canceled because it didn't include maternity coverage. <laughs> and he said, you know what? My aunt really was okay with that. Let me tell you right now, I am convinced we are going to repeal Obamacare. Now, nobody ever thought that was going to be easy. No one ever thought it was going to be a quick little journey. Battles to change the country never are. But the reason that fight happened that wasn't a Washington fight. Washington did not want to stand and fight on anything. That fight happened because over two million people all over the country signed a national petition saying stand up and stop the disaster of the train wreck that is Obamacare. That fight happened because Heritage Action went across the country energizing people and saying you can change this country and take it back. You know, in the midst of the fight, Some of my colleagues were less than thrilled. One conversation in particular I'll never forget is one of the 
Republican senators in a closed-door lunch that got a wee bit heated, literally pounded the table with his fist. And he said, my constituents keep calling me. <laughs> it's hard even to know how to respond to that. <laughs> but I have to tell you, listen, there are a lot of people in Washington who are used to doing business. How do you do business? You get a handful of people together in a smoky room. You have a dozen lobbyists from K Street. You cut a deal. You pay for your project. You pay for your project. Everyone together robs the taxpayers, and you go home at 2 o'clock. That's the Washington way. That is changing. And it's changing because of what the men and women in this room are doing. It is changing because the grassroots are getting energized and engaged. And I'll say, and this is the last point I'm going to make, part of why I am so encouraged. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. I think where we are right now is very, very much like the late 1970s. The late 1970s, you had Jimmy Carter in the White House. You had the same failed economic policies, out-of-control taxes and spending and regulation. You had the same economic malaise and stagflation. You had the same feckless foreign policy, endangering U.S. national security interests, making the world a more dangerous place. Actually, you even had a fellow named Khomeini in Iran bragging to the world about how he had caused America to submit. The parallels are uncanny. I don't think Eric Estrada is back on television. <laughs> yet. But he was in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw that ad. He, they, 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 brought in, they brought in a lot of those guys, Cheers and Eric Estrada, back to the Super Bowl on a commercial. It was dark and it was dismal. Late 1970s, it was easy to give up hope. And by the way, all of the media said those conservative principles are, are relics from a yesteryear. You cannot stop the inevitable march of what we call progress. And what happened in the late 1970s was a grassroots movement that began to sweep the country. Millions of men and women, many of whom never been involved in politics, became the Reagan revolution. And that's what turned this country around, is all of the people who previously had been living their lives, going to work, going to church, who suddenly looked up and said, what we are doing isn't working, and it's jeopardizing the future of my kids and my grandkids. That is happening again. I'll tell you one of the great blessings of serving in the Senate right now is I get the opportunity to travel across Texas, to travel across the country. Everywhere you go, you see people who are standing up. That same energy, that rise of the grassroots is terrifying Washington. And I'll tell you, liberty is never safer than when politicians are terrified. And if we continue doing what we're doing, which is mobilizing and empowering the American people, the solutions are not going to come from Washington. 
They're going to come from the American people. That's what L.I. does every day. It's what each of you do every day. And it's what gives me fundamentally hope that we're going to pull this country back from the brink. And with that, I'm happy to answer or dodge any questions you like. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. To listen to more breakfast, head over to the Leadership Institute YouTube channel. And to see who our next WWCB speaker is, visit our website at leadershipinstitute.org. The Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast is produced and edited by Alexander Chang with support from Tiffany Roberts and Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell.